Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. So, um, Dom, I think my exact words last week were that I would be absolutely over the moon with a nil-nil draw. And that's exactly what we got. Um, and nil-nil draws are a weird beast, aren't they? Because you get good nil-nils, you get bad nil-nils, you get boring nil-nils, you get, you get nil-nils that are quite interesting. This was a very satisfying nil-nil in my, uh, in my book. Yeah, it was. Um, at a half time, I don't know about you, I thought that Watford were there for the taking. Wednesday played well, had the better of the first half. Um, sh- probably should have scored at least once, if not twice. Um, Gary Monk felt they had a clear penalty turned down with Josh Windass. Looking at it on the replay and live, I wasn't convinced and I'm still not convinced. But uh, no, I thought there were a lot of positives from the first half. Um, Just the approach, the way they played. Um, They were aggressive, they were on the front foot. They really took it to Watford and they didn't sit back and they, they showed them no respect. And, you know, it seems like a while ago now since the match. But yeah, I... You know, the midfield three, I could wax lyrical about them all day. I just think that the balance of that midfield three, I think it's as good as anything. I've said it before, I really do. I think it's as good as anything in the Championship. Um, and Izzy Brown, first half, the set-piece delivery. You know, he's. I said he would be a great addition if they kept him fit. And so far, they've kept him fit and he looks a good addition. So, all, all in all, um, yeah, we would have taken a point before kickoff. I think there was an element... Uh, of afterwards, maybe it was a missed opportunity, but then Watford did come on strong in that second half. Cameron Dawson pulled off two really good saves, um, so it was a strange one in that it shouldn't, it wasn't, and didn't really have the feel of a nil-nil, as you said, James. Uh, but that's what we got. Yeah, um, you're quite right in terms of the fact that, you know, at half time, you kind of look at it and think, actually, you know, Wednesday edged that first half and, and maybe, you know, it is a game there that we, we should be looking to go on and win. But you forget, you know, you just look at that Watford team and it's like, it's just oozing. It's dripping with quality, isn't it? And you kind of think, well, you know, is it a matter of them? just getting a little bit of a kick up the backside from the manager and they're going to come out stronger and actually, you know, we're going to need to, 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 to really change our game in the second half. But I thought that, you know, Wednesday really held their own. That there, were, there was the odd moment where it, it kind of felt that maybe we rode a little bit of luck defensively, but I'm sure Watford would say exactly the same because, you know, as you rightly point out, Wednesday really should have scored. Um, I'm I'm not entirely convinced that the Josh Windass incident wasn't a penalty. Um, on first watch, I thought it was. I watched the replay and thought, mm, actually, you know, you do see those given. And if that happens somewhere else on the pitch, is it given as a foul? Probably is. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as. Uh, not as clear cut as you are in terms of that definitely not being a penalty. I uh, I thought that that could have been given, but yeah, I mean on the balance you wear the whole thing up, and you've got to come you come away from that and think right. There aren't many teams that will keep a clean sheet against Watford this season, and that's just fact, isn't it? You know they will. I will be surprised if Watford are not in the top two. They will certainly be in the top six this season. I'm sure of that, um, and they will score a lot of goals past most teams in this league. If Watford aren't in the top six this season, James, then something's gone horribly wrong, hasn't it? Uh, they, they did. It has to be said that they were without a lot of top players 
um, against Wednesday. So you, you again, if you're going to be realistic or whatever, you could say that Wednesday they played Watford. I think it's a good time. While that there's maybe a bit of a hangover from the relegation, they're under new management, they're without a lot of players. But uh, I don't think we should take anything away from the way Wednesday went about the business in the first half. And I, I tell you, if Wednesday perform like that on a consistent basis. They ran out of steam, perhaps understandably, in the second half. But if they perform like they did in that first half, more often than not this season, um, we have nothing to worry about with the points deduction and Wednesday quickly climbing to safety. So what what's missing then? What what obviously we're getting towards that point. You know the the transfer window is is uh, kind of long into the uh, into the start of the season this time around. But it will be James, here before we number you know. nine. I'm going to interrupt you. A number nine. <laughs> That's all that we're missing. Uh, you sound uncertain. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I to answer your question directly. I don't think there is a lot missing. I don't. I think actually. But the uh, the starting eleven, there's not many weaknesses in it for me. Um, and the again the approach and the way they want to go about things, I like. And I can see what Gary Monk is trying to build. I think it is that identity that we've talked about before. So yeah, get some more forward players in. Get some more players in who can put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, jobs are good. And, it's hard to disagree with um, to disagree with that. Let, let's let's talk about the defense. Let's talk well. Let's talk about that back three. Um, really interesting stuff from from Tom Lees as he spoke to the to the press this week, and um, quite I mean quite painfully honest stuff from from Tom Lees really, and, and the way that you know he's talked about you know responding to what's obviously been you know a, a challenge for him in terms of the captaincy being taken off him, but. Loved the stuff that he said. You know that was just that's exactly what you want to hear from a player when when that happens to them. Jos van Heken seemed like someone whose Wednesday career was was pretty much done and dusted. There was talk, wasn't there, part of the summer that you know he was very much in the shop window. If offers come in, Wednesday will listen to them. And and obviously, you know, he upped his game a bit in training. And Gary Monk had one of his almost now famous change of hearts and thought actually maybe he has got a role to play. Um, and obviously, he's had a decent run in in the in the league. Um, so far and you know Dominic I offer a bit of a mainstay in that defence now um, what what do you think about this this kind of you know setup defensively the, the only thing that I worry about in terms of like weak links is that if we saw it last season if, if things kind of go badly then you know we can collapse defensively it feels different it does feel different but we're only two games into this season aren't we and it's it's hard to draw conclusions from it but you know Tom Lees we've we've bemoaned before and said that you know he he needs a more experienced defender alongside him otherwise he struggles with the the pressure of it the captaincy being taken off him are we seeing a new Tom Lees now is this Tom Lees that's kind of rediscovering himself Maybe. Uh, I think the, um, the proof will be in the pudding. And like you say, it's still really early days in the season. But in the two league matches so far, Tom Lees has been one of Wednesday's top performers. There's no doubt about it. And as a three, him, Van Aken and I author, there's, um, there's a lot to like about that. And I've said it before, within this formation, if you're going to play 3-5-2, 
you want the one in the middle to be really the guy who's maybe least comfortable on the ball and who doesn't have to bring the ball out from defence as much. On the right and the left, you do want them. And I don't want to mention the team down the road who are very good at playing this system, but that's what they've done. Uh, And so if, if Wednesday are trying to emulate or go down that route and trying to play this formation well, they've got the personnel in those defenders where they're playing for me in the right positions uh, as things stand. But, of course, bigger tests to come. But then I would say that in that second half, when they came under the cosh, for me, that's definitely a match last weekend that Wednesday would have lost last season, without a doubt. But they dug in and they scrapped and they got a result. So you've got to give Wednesday a lot of credit. Um and at the same time, still say and carry on repeating, they've got a lot of work still to do uh, and there will be some tough challenges to come. That should, however, give them plenty of confidence you know, for the future. If if they're not buzzing on confidence from, for any of us, if someone had said, look, first two games, you've got Cardiff away, you've got Watford at home, you can have four points from, from those and not concede a goal you'd be all over that. Like it would be the most ridiculous Wednesday fan in the world that would say that's not good enough. That That's, that's, that's great. That's been a brilliant start to the season in, in league terms. Uh, and they've got, they've got to take the confidence from, from that. So a lot of this really now is over to Gary Monk, isn't it? It's, it's, it's for him now to, on how he plays on that confidence to take that forward because we've, we've seen some of these players capitulate and that's what we've got to avoid. Yeah, it is. And he talks all the time, doesn't he? About, uh, that mentality and the character and Wednesday showed backbone and that's what we've been demanding and we've been calling for that. Yeah. Uh, so you can't fault them for it against Watford, but it's when they go behind in matches at home and, and let's not forget, and I hate to keep bringing his back down to earth and everything, but Wednesday didn't win the match and they still haven't won at Hillsborough since February. Um, and so those are the yeah you know, that's the bottom line. So it's got to change. That has to. So the next home match, in some ways, will be more important than Watford. Watford was a little bit of a free hit for Wednesday, in that we always were going to say a point a point was going to be a great result. Three would have been fantastic. Whereas QPR and I watched them against Coventry last week is a very winnable home match. But that's where Wednesday have been slipping up at Hillsborough. And so that's what's got to change in the long run for Wednesday to get out of the predicament that they're in now. I've given you a bit of time to think about it. Do you still not think it was a penalty? Yeah, it wasn't a penalty. I don't think it was. Josh Windus complained a lot. Uh, I could only go off live. I was thinking at the time it looked a penalty. And then I just went off the replays post-match and thought it's a bit inconclusive. And maybe the defender got a touch on the ball. It's really hard to tell. You know, I'm up in uh, the gods in the south stand. So I can, you know, it's not like I had the best view in the house of it. But my, my initial thought at the time was it's a penalty. Then having watched it back, it made me reconsider. Okay, let's move on then to uh, Fulham on, um, was it Wednesday night? I can't remember. Yeah. Was it last night? Uh, it, it's, it's all... Nice no, to go, James. Oh. Keep up, James. It's all, 
Uh, I, I I give in. I, I I'm not doing days anymore. It's all they've all just become one. Um, so Fulham in mid- midweek. Let's say that. Um, and we knew this one was going to be a bit of a test. There were obviously a few changes from the team that had played in the FL Cup the week before. A um, couple of debuts thrown in there as well. A few players that we've not seen before or not seen very much of before. Obviously, we lost the game, but um, I, I actually only caught the first half of it. I didn't see the second half. And from from what I can gather from what everyone's saying, a, a lot of fans coming away with that with real heart, actually, and, and saying, do you know what? It was it was it may have been a defeat, but in, in the circumstances, there were some really good performances. There was, and I think the Cup um, run has benefited Wednesday and allowed them to give you the chance and for Gary Monk to continue blooding these academy players. And Liam Waldock, I thought, showed in patches what he was about. And, you know, he can be happy with, um, you know, his first start. And he wouldn't have got that opportunity either had it not been Falix Hunt picking up an knee injury, uh, you know, in training the day before. So, um, you know, that opened the door for Liam Waldock. And I think that, you know, he showed what he's about. And um, that was great for him. Uh, to get some game time and Charles Hagen as well coming on at the end, uh, you know, who is another player that you know Gary Monk thinks has got a lot of abilities, a bit raw. He's, I think, a little bit further behind than Kieran Brennan and Liam Shaw and Alex Hun and Liam Waldock. Um, but yeah, um, it, the actual performance Wednesday, they should have scored at least one, if not two, in the first half. I think FDB has to score. Um, that one, that was the best chance for me. But you had Adam Reach and Moses Odebajo was the best player you know, for Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, you're certainly the best outfield player. I think him and Joe Wildsmith were the pick of the bunch for me. Um, and no, I think overall, Wednesday didn't get, you know, they didn't get turnover. You know, it wasn't a heavy defeat. So it's not going to have knocked the youngsters' confidence or the team's confidence. And it was a much-changed team, you know, 11 alterations. Um, and I think really, uh, it's probably as good as Wednesday, I think, could have hoped for. I think if, if Wednesday got through, James, then it would have meant another away trip when they played five of the first six games away from home. And it would have been Brentford next week. And I just wonder if maybe the matches might, then begin to catch up with them. So I think the cup has served its purpose. And, and so I don't think we sh- any of us should be that disappointed when they've gone out. Uh, and, you know, they gave a good account of themselves at Fulham. And so all in all, yeah, um, decent signs. The, the, I th- the only reason that I'm a little bit disappointed that Wednesday are out of, the, of, of this competition now is just because I, when will be the next time that those players are realistically going to get a chance to be playing, you know, in the first team with Wednesday fans, you know, watching them on iFollow or whatever it was to watch the game on on um, on Wednesday night, and and you know, it's just a, it's a bit of a shame now that that some of those will sort of vanish for a little bit, and and I was really enjoying the fact that we were able to to kind of see some of the progress of the younger players who we know over the next season or two are really going to, you know, they're, they're going to have roles to play at this football club. They're going to be players that we're going to see more and more of. So in a way, I kind of, you know, I wanted us to win because obviously I wanted us to win, but also I thought, you know what, another game to give those players a bit of a run out is not a bad thing. 
I, I totally see what you're saying in terms of the fact that actually, you know, it is like the most hectic start to a season that we could have. And as much as they are 11 different players, you know, th- there's a manager and there's staff and there's other, you know, obviously a lot of other people that have also got to kind of keep up with all this. So, you know, next week, not having a midweek game, it almost feels like a novelty now, doesn't it? From kind of, you know, restarting the season, it just being so relentless. Can, can we talk a little bit about um, Liam Waldock after the game and, um, you know, kind of shades of, of bigger when he did his post-match interview after making his debut and, you know, how enthusiastic he was. And um, again, I thought that Liam sounded very... Um, obviously a lot of love for Sheffield Wednesday, but just very humble as well. And, 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 you know, the stuff that he said, the way that he spoke, you sort of think, yeah, someone there's doing a really good job with these players behind the scene because, you know, we are bringing through some really good talent there who seem really grounded as well. Yeah, they do. And um, we've seen, you know, with him, uh, Azazi, Kieran Brennan gave a great interview after Rochdale. The, and the great thing is about this, James, is that they are... Wednesday fans, they are Wednesday through and through. And Liam Waldock, um, you know, he, he could have gone to Sheffield United when he was a kid, but he's a Wednesday guy. His mum and dad are Wednesday fans. And so he wanted to join Wednesday at the age of eight. And he's been on the books for 12 years. So, you know, what a special moment, you know, that would have been for him. Uh, you know, the only shame is that there were no fans there and, and his family and his friends weren't there to see it. Uh, but no, as I, I, you know, I don't want to go over all ground. But yeah, uh, as I said before, I think Liam Waldock uh, enhanced his reputation and gave you know put in a good shift um, and did some nice things. I thought off the ball and uh, and on the ball. You know, I thought that um, you know he could be very happy. I think with his debut and, and hopefully there'll be more to come. But it, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one for Waldock in that. Wednesday are well stocked in midfield. They've got, you know, I think there's about six players probably ahead of him in the pecking order. So it's really difficult for him to get in. Um, so you wonder if maybe at the end of the window, Wednesday might look at loaning him out to uh, to get some experience, and perhaps they do the same with Kieran Brennan. Uh, and and I think you know Gary Monk said it afterwards that there was a bit of defensive naivety. Uh, in that first half for the two goals they gave away. And we definitely saw that with Liam Shaw for the first goal, trying to play offside, got done. Kieran Brennan got turned by our good old friend, Josh Onomer, um, you know, in the build-up to the second. So there's things for them to work on. But yeah, we can't be too critical that you know, these guys are still making their way in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I've not thought about loading those players out, actually. You're kind of saying that and, you know, keeping them playing football is kind of what we need to do right now. And I think in the past, we've maybe not used the loan system um, in terms of sending players out as well as we perhaps could have done. So, um, you know, maybe the fact that they've, you know, put themselves a little bit in the shot window gives them an opportunity to go somewhere and play some, you know, league football. Um, you mentioned there, obviously, about Liam Waldock having to make his debut without any any fans there, which kind of reminds me of the fact that we now find ourselves in a situation where it's unlikely now that we're going to be seeing any fans back at football games probably before next March. Um, you know, the, there's a there's a fair chance, I would imagine, that it's probably going to be this, this entire season is played without any fans there we've we've touched on this in terms of you know whether or not you know fans coming back to Hillsborough what effect that has or you know away grounds and stuff like that do you do you see it as being significant with this group of players what in terms of trying to get up for games with fans not being there 
Just does does it make a difference? Do you think do, does Sheffield Wednesday season go in a different direction with fans being there or not being there? Um, well, we were saying that um, yeah, be, yeah, before or after lockdown, we were saying James, it was probably a good thing, wasn't it, that the Wednesday fans weren't there. <laughs> Um, but then, as you like pointed out, Wednesday have still not won at Hillsborough since that that scenario. Yeah, yeah. Cheers for highlighting that again, James. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It's an interesting one. I, I, I'm, I don't know really. I think maybe again, the more matches that are played and the longer the season goes on, for things might be become a bit clearer. I definitely think there would have been times in that first. Well, in in the Watford match, where I think the fans could have made a big difference and could have given Wednesday a lift, and could have, you know when they were yeah. hanging on, they were hanging on at times against Watford late on, and Cameron Dawson, um, you know, did make a couple of really good saves, and and I think there's there's moments like that where I'm thinking fans that cop the noise, the crowd, everything on a match day where if you've got fans there, that's when I think it can have a big impact, definitely. When there's adversity or when things don't go the team's way, that's when I feel like the the, the power of Hillsborough, as Carlos always used to refer to it as, um, would you know come to the fore. Okay, so this weekend there is another £1,000 up for grabs on Wednesday Bet. Um, Download the app to find out more about how you play. There are details as well in the show notes for this episode too. And Title Law Solicitors offering you as a Singing the Blues listener 25% off all fees during September. If you quote the word unity, then uh, 25% off your fees. Um, Fast and furious with the football then. Um, Sunday away at Bristol City doesn't feel all that long since we were last there and kind of saying, oh, this is going to be a tough game for Wednesday and actually probably the best performance of that sort of post-lockdown um, project restart, whatever you call it, at the back end of uh, last season. Bristol City, bit of a team in transformation. This could actually be a decent time to be going there and playing them. It could be, but then they have made a very good start to the season, haven't they, James? You know, they've won four out of the five matches. Uh, they lost to Aston Villa last night in the Cup, but that was really with their second string. They'd be uh, at full strength-ish on Sunday. They've got a few injury concerns, but I, I tell you what, when I actually look at their squad, um, they've got some serious strength in depth now. You know, they have spent big money in the last two or three years, um, and so they're really going for it, you know, and they've invested heavily in the stadium, um, the training ground, when actually Gary Monk was mentioning this at his, his pre-match press today, I was thinking to myself, a lot of this really sounds along the lines of what you know we'd like to see from Wednesday. In that you know, the, the, not just the investment in the first team, which is what we in the main had over the last five and a half years, but it's also the infrastructure, isn't it? And we've talked about this before, and I feel like you know that's where Bristol City, I think, have had the long-term blueprint of where they want to go and what they want to do. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully we'll start to see that a little bit more from Wednesday when it comes to the training ground, updating what they can of Hillsborough. Uh, but oh, it, going back to the actual match itself, yeah, it's a, it's a big test for Wednesday. And I, again, think the defence will come under um, 
the kosh at times there'd be some serious questions that they have to come up with the answers for but I think they can go in there with a lot of heart a lot of positivity um, you know off the back of how they performed against Cardiff and Watford I agree with everything you say about Bristol City. It kind of feels like they've turned themselves into like a Premier League club in the waiting, but their squad has just not quite matched that ambition yet. Uh, but you know they have put together a decent group of players. Every time we play Bristol City, I kind of look at them on paper and think, "Oh, that's going to be quite tough." And then they never quite seem to live up to it. You know, they're, they're not dislike Wednesday in terms of the fact that they always seem to have like a bit of a collapse during a season. Sometimes it's quite early on. Sometimes towards the back end of the season, that they're a bit of a topsy turvy team. So um, it will be interesting to see, you know, how they perform on um, Sunday. From a Wednesday point of view, can you foresee much in terms of changes? I mean, it feels like we've got into a good little rhythm here with with that starting 11. Well, I mean, the one that I suggested uh, that didn't happen against Watford was maybe Liam Palmer keeping his place after how he performed at Rochdale. Um was it? It's been two unchanged teams, hasn't it, in the championship? It's hard, really, um, not to select the same team, you know. And I thought, really, I mean, the one who for me put the hand up the other night at Fulham was Odebajo. Uh, but would you really bring Odebajo in at the expense of Penny? Um, I don't think I would. No, I think let's let's keep the team as it is for now, and. There's competition there. Should anyone drop the standards or not play to, you know, the levels that we expect? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that it, it's been a while since you've kind of thought, well, I, th- there's no reason to change that starting 11. Like, we're not sticking with the same 11 just to try and keep momentum going. There's actually no reason to. Like, so, um, yeah, absolutely. I think we should just leave leave it exactly as it, as it is. And, you know, if we could get through this first chunk of games, maybe even going to the international break, having played the same team for all those first... I mean, how long must it be since Wednesday have been able to do that? That would be that would be great and, um, you know, brilliant if we can get there unbeaten as well. Um, all right, so a few, a few more rumours that have been knocking about this week. As mentioned earlier, we're kind of getting towards... That, that business end of the transfer window. It's a very odd transfer window because last, well, summer before last, kind of the big vote to end the, the summer transfer window before the season starts and then, you know, kind of situations arise and that doesn't happen this time around. So we're going to see things get a bit frantic in the next few weeks. We, as you sort of said, Wednesday maybe don't need to do all that much, but name that's been knocking around for um, for a little bit now, Callum Patterson. What what's what's your take on this one? Uh, well, you instantly knew that there must be something in it because uh, at Chancery followed him on Instagram, um, so that's that seems deal done, it, isn't it? Deal it does done. Seem, yeah, it does seem a pretty good indicator, really, that there, uh, there may be something in it. And I have checked it out since then, um, you know, with a few people, and um, it would appear Wednesday are pushing for permanent deal uh, for Callum Patterson. You know, he hasn't played for Cardiff this season; he's been on the bench. Um, it's the profile of the player um, and it's quite easy to understand why Gary Monk would want to bring him in in the sense that he's 25 he can play multiple positions Um, the last few years he's played up front a lot for Cardiff and he's done the business he's done pretty well 
um, up from. He's not a prolific goal scorer, but what he is is he's a unit. He's a big unit of six foot two physical presence, um, which is exactly what Wednesday needs. As we as we have kept uh, discussing in the last few weeks, haven't we, James? Of where uh, we've no Atty knew you there anymore, no Stephen Fletcher. Um, I think that if the price is right, then. Um, it could be a good piece of business for Wednesday, but we'll have to wait and see. I think, you know, talks have, have taken place and Wednesday are in dialogue with Cardiff now and the player trying to thrash something out. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that in the coming days. Yeah, I mean, looking at his uh, record at Cardiff, um, played 95, he scored 19 goals, um, which is not terrible, as you say, it's certainly not prolific. Before that, at Hearts, 137 appearances, scored 33. He's he's described as a utility player on... um, on his Wikipedia page. Um, what what I do like, though, the, the important thing for me there is 25 is a good age for for us to be signing a player. You know, we, we've kind of said that, you know, this team's got a lot of youth to it now, which is a, a nice move forward from where we were not long ago. Um, and that, you know, we it, it does need a bit of experience mixed in there as well. 25 is an age where you've got that experience. You know, he's played 95 games for Cardiff in, you know, the top two tiers of, of, of football. So um, that that's bringing some knowledge. It's bringing, you know, that little bit of a steady head with him as well. So um, I, I like this, actually. I've got a good feeling about it. Uh, I do too. And um, I think what we've got to say, James, is that as long as, if if assuming Patterson does join Wednesday, um, he can't be the only striker, though. He, he can't be the only forward that comes in. Wednesday still have to bring in someone maybe who is a little bit more prolific or clinical in that final third to complement Patterson, Windass, Kachunga, Rhodes, and everything. Um so for me, the perfect window right now, what was it, with 10 days to go, James, is three signings. It's the right wing back that it appears Gary Monk wants to bring in the sort of direct replacement for Jacob Murphy, who he still hasn't given up on, actually. You know, I asked him about that today, um, but it looks a long shot. After what Steve Bruce said the other day, I can't see yeah, that. Yeah. I think it's going to be very difficult. And he's got multiple options, hasn't he? He's got loads of options, Jacob Murphy, north and south of the border. So I think we've got to be realistic that Jacob Murphy's not probably going to return. Um, but Wednesday, they're looking at alternatives themselves. If they get the right, right wing back in, two forwards, I'd score this out of 10 this transfer window and we'll probably do this at the end of it James but I'd give it nine I really would give it nine out you you do love scoring a transfer window you do I do mate that. I just um, I just do so many ratings I just do them all the time you know I, I, out of <laughs> ten it's the way to go it's the way forward isn't it uh, Callum Patterson has played right wing back on, on on several occasions it is not a position that's unknown to him is there kind of a two in one value going on here yeah I think so that's what it is and the other thing I would pick you up on about the goal scoring record is that people look at it and go, oh, it's not very good. Well, yeah, he's not played up front um, all that time. 
He has played yeah, yeah. in several different positions. And then actually, if you look at his overall record for Cardiff, he's played over 100 games. If you include assists, it works out something like one in four. I think it's a, it's a, it's a smart piece of Not business. Bad. I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. I really do. And he's hardworking. He's, again, a physical forward. He gives Wednesday something different. So if Wednesday get it done, I, I'd be happy with that as long as they get someone in who maybe has a track record of 10, 15 goals in the championship. But we ju- we know how hard they are to come by. Um, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Absolutely. Um, so, um, Che Dunkley, a player that we've we've not seen since since he joined. We we knew when he arrived that he had been having issues with injuries. So, um, not a, not a, not a surprise that he wasn't fit for the start of the season. But I think did Gary Monk talk a little bit about him earlier? Yeah, he did. Um, in the he's not far away. He, you know, he's going to. I think get Dunkley to play in at least one, if not two, under-23s matches, which I think is the sensible approach. It's got to be that way. He's been out since February and he's had a double leg break. You know, you you don't get many more serious injuries than what Shea Dunkley has had. Um, And so I think that Wednesday, um, the same with Azazi Rigidi, they can't rush them back. There's no point rushing them back. We don't want them to come back and break down. Uh, and right now, things are going well defensively. So um, they'd be like the cliched new signings, won't they, when they are fit and available. And, and Dunkley will be after the international break. And yeah, I think he'd be close to knocking on the door then. Uh, and um, it'll be interesting on the selection dilemma then, won't it? If Wednesday carry on keeping yeah. clean sheets, what Gary Monk does then? It may be that Shay Dunkley will have to bide his time. Yeah, you think so? You can't you can't change your back three when they keep keeping clean sheets. It doesn't make any doesn't make any sense at all. Th- there's been this rumor knocking about about Dominic Iorfa this week. So talk that maybe Watford, maybe even a Premier League team is is interested um, in him. Now, I'm not necessarily saying whether or not we give any credibility to that, but this raises quite an interesting question, doesn't it? Because Dominic Iorfa obviously has done very well since he came to Wednesday. He's been converted into a, a centre half since um, since he joined. And he's obviously at an age and, you know, seems to have that kind of ability on the ball where you think, yeah, you can, you can see there being teams who are interested in him because that kind of defender is a little bit of a rarity. Um, and so you can see the possibility of there being, you know, at some point big money offers for, for Dominic I offer. If someone comes along before the end of this transfer window and slaps 8 million quid on the table, what would you do if you're Gary Monk? Well, frankly, yeah, eight million has to be the starting point. I, I wouldn't even have a conversation with anyone unless they were going. Here's eight million smackers on the table. Um, I, I just wouldn't entertain it, would you? One bit. Uh, I, 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 re- I really think in the in the modern market for me, actually, I'd, I'd probably say it's it's somewhere between ten and fifteen million. Um, when you look at it, you've got to think. Number one, I'm surprised that there hasn't already been a lot of interest in Dominic Iorfa with his performances. And, the, and, the, and number two, when you're talking about saleable assets in the Sheffield Wednesday team, he's at the top. 
he's he's at the top of a pretty short list, I would say. Um, and so number three, when you've got no money coming in from crowds, no revenue whatsoever, if you then get that offer on the table, a big offer for one of your star-prized assets, then in Sheffield Wednesday's uh, case situation, you can't really ignore that, or you certainly would have to think very hard about it, wouldn't you? Um, if it, But there's no getting away from the fact that in Gary Monk's long-term vision – and what he's trying to do at Sheffield Wednesday, you sell Dominic Iorfa and it's a, it's potentially you're taking a step back there, aren't you? As you'd be selling your best defender and then you've got the job of trying to replace him, which is easier said than done. And then clubs may know that you've got all that money. So what are they going to do? They're just going to then inflate the prices of any any players that you go in for, they're going to go, oh, look, you know, Sheffield Wednesday's now got loads of money from selling Dominic Iorfa, so we'll, we'll put an extra million on that or two million or whatever it might be. Um, so there's many, there's many factors in it, uh, and that's why, you know, if something happens with a Dominic Iorfa, if there is really strong interest and Wednesday get a bid, they have to think long and hard about it. Of course they do. You know, they wouldn't be doing their jobs properly you know, if they didn't. Uh, but that's not something to worry about until there is that legit interest and that there's something concrete there. And I'm not so sure there is right now, but that could change very quickly. Yeah, um, you're right. I mean, we, we, we look back, I mean, I, I can only think of two players in the Chancery era that Wednesday have actually sold for, for like, for money. Um, I can only think of Jack Hunt and... Um, I can't even think who the other one was. Lucas Shaw. Lucas Shaw. Yeah, that went to. I think the only other player was Stevie May, uh, and Stevie May they just I think made the money back on. So it, it, that's three players in in five and a half years that Wednesday sold wow. for money. Um, so there you get there he goes. But I mean, you do look at it. That's I mean that's where Wednesday would take heart, wouldn't they? If someone does come in for Dominic Iorfa. Look at the deal that they got for Lucas Wow. Um, and right now, you would have to say on what he's produced and done for Reading, I think we all know that you know, who got the better deal there. Um, you know, Wednesday yep. made some big, big money on Lucas Wow for a player who still continues to flatter to deceive. Having said all of this, we we know, or we we certainly suspect that there've been some pretty big money offers on the table for some players who you know ultimately have left Sheffield Wednesday for nothing, and and maybe actually are still at Sheffield Wednesday, sat twiddling their thumbs. So you know, the, there's also an argument that we we've not done brilliantly in terms of knowing what the right time to sell is and there weren't many of us that were shouting and screaming saying yes you know we should have sold Tom Lee's at this point and we should have sold Kieran Lee for that amount and stuff like that because you'd, you know, you kind of feel like they are integral in the way that you do with Dominic Iorfa but um, you know it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out uh, right any other transfer rumours not doing the rounds uh, the only other one that's still there is Dion Sanderson at Wolves um, who is a defender guy who again can play that right wing-back position. He did well on loan at Cardiff last season. Wednesday, I like him. They're interested in him. 
but then I, I feel as if that he's not the number one target. Um, and, and we've seen now with Patterson, if you if you're taking Gary Monk's word or, or word for it on Jacob Murphy, then I, I don't think Dion Sanderson is at the top of the priority list. But he he is there, and he's in the final year of his his contract to Wolves, and and so now I think we've then covered all the transfers and, and latest. Cost there, James. Cool, good stuff. Of course, no midweek game next week because uh, we are Yay. out of the um, the EFL Cup. So um, you uh, you avoid another midweek trip to London, which I'm sure you'll be pleased about. Um, right, that's going to wrap us up then for this week. So you can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott. You can contact the show at Dom and James. Thank you again to our goal partners, Title Law Solicitors, who you can find at TitleLaw.co.uk and Wednesday Bet, available to download now. Thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and see you next week. 